Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Lisa, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time out of your day here to hang out with us at uh, the Grit Daily Startup. Uh, We like to talk about the world of startup a lot, uh, the good, the bad, and what we like to call the gritty. So I'll be curious to find out what your experience uh, has been in all that. But before we do all that, let's back up a little bit and help our listeners uh, understand a little bit more about you and your backstory. Yeah, I appreciate that. I am from Northern California and my husband and I grew up in the same small town and he went off to West Point and I went to school in Santa Barbara and somewhere along the way we fell in love and and launched on a military career. So John and I went from, you know, Schofield Barracks in Hawaii to Fort Benning, Georgia to Louisiana and finally landed up at Joint Base Lewis McCord in Washington State. And John deployed with his unit, um, 5th Striker Brigade, to southern Afghanistan in the summer of 2009. And we quickly realized that it was going to be a pretty intense and challenging deployment. And um, about five weeks into the deployment, um, we had our first casualty. We lost our, our, our we lost Troy Tom and Jonathan Nanny. We realized what a difficult time it was going to be. And one week later, um, I received the knock on the door and I learned, I was informed that my husband, John had been killed in combat. And, um, I had three kids at home at that time. Um, Jackson, my oldest was three years old. Bryce was one and Heidi, Heidi was three weeks old and it was, it was an overwhelming time. And obviously nobody wants that knock on the door. And, um, you send your loved one to war and you don't think you're going to get that knock on the door. You can't enter a deployment, you thinking that that is a reality for your family. Um, but it became, became our reality and the, the casualties continued and we lost 41 soldiers that year. And, uh, we were struggling. We were struggling. I turned to the coping mechanism that I had leaned on throughout John's military career. And that was running. And so I remember, oh gosh, John was killed on August 25th, 2009. And that, that next day I went, I went for a run and I remember the sun was shining and I was so mad. I was so mad at God that the sun was shining. How, how dare he let it be a beautiful day when I was so sad. And, um, but it was the first time that I was able to connect with my, my grief and my feelings And it enabled me to take really my first breath after hearing that John had been killed. And um, that movement, taking one step after another, really became the way that we navigated that deployment as each week we received the notice of one soldier after another being lost um, in a land so far away. Wow. So running was the coping mechanism there, but there's only, you know, 
some would some would argue that grief never goes away. You just learn how to uh, deal with it and, and and handle it better. You know, this has been quite some time since then. What's 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 improved for you? What has been, I guess, this? Not, you know, I want to say silver lining. That's not the right word that I'm looking for. But you know, you never really, especially such a tragic loss like that, like your husband and kids and the whole nine. Um, what's been the biggest, you know, adjustment over the course of time for you, other than it just gets a little bit, I don't dare I say easier, but um, you're able to live with it a little bit better than, than, than prior to. No, a hundred percent. It's, it's, you know, in the beginning, I thought I was running from John's death. I was running from my grief, but I wasn't running from, I was running through mm. and running really was this tool that enabled me to have the space um, to remember John, but to continue to literally and figuratively move forward with my life. And, and it has been 12 and a half years since John was killed. And actually today would have been his 43rd birthday. And there's not a day that goes by that we don't think about John and that I don't wish he was there for, for his kids, for our kids. And, you know, he really was the best, the best the world had to offer. And, and for my kids to have gotten to grown up with that light. But I think, you know, as time passes, we move from this place of grief and being broken into finding the ability to live inspired by their lives rather really than broken by that sacrifice. And so, you know, 12 and a half years later, sure, we miss John, um, but we're able to share his stories and channel his example and how we live our lives because it has been 12 years. And so now I've got these three people who are just like their dad in all the good ways and all the frustrating ways. Um, <laughs> But he he inspires us, but we're at this really great space where we are a part of a community and and have, you know, the next adventure, you know, with John kind of breathing life and motivation and how we move forward. I love that perspective. If only uh, the whole world could adapt to, to that. And really, I, I what really stood out for me is that. Um, you know, it's, it's, you ran through it, not away from it. And that's any life uh, challenge that's, that's thrown at us. I, I always like to say the only way out is through. Um, and, you know, there's that, then that's every facet of, of life's, you know, challenges. Um, so uh, I definitely commend you for, uh, you know, really um, figuring out what works for you and, and for the kids and being able to some 12 years later, having done something with it, but also saying, you know, what, what would he have wanted, you know, for us um, in addition to, you know, living, you know, living your guys' life out, you know, in, 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 in his memory. So sure. um, let, let's talk a little bit about wear blue and, and, and run to remember. And, and of course how this all started to, I'm, I'm, I could take a wild guess on how everything started to come together here, but this is yet another great thing that you've decided and made a choice to put into play um, as part of, you know, your journey through life and, and, the, and the backstory as well. Right. You, you lost, especially loss overseas is so difficult to wrap your arms around and, and you feel powerless and overwhelmed and, and grief struck, but it, it wasn't just my loss. We lost 41 of our nation's best that year. And so each week we're receiving these notices of, of the men we had lost downrange. And it wasn't just Captain John Hallett. It was Captain Corey Jenkins. It was Patrick Williamson. It was, you know, 
all of these really incredible human beings. And we were struggling as a community. You are knit together, your military spouses, as you navigate, you know, a year, 14 months um, with your loved one overseas. And so we began to, to run together. I remember the first time we met, we kind of put out, you know, the, the military spouse bat signal. And we said, put on your spouse's physical training shirt, meet in the Burger King parking lot, and we're going to go for a run around the airfield. And we didn't come together at this point because we had a group of, of spouses who loved running or that we were looking to form a national not-for-profit. We were feeling overwhelmed and really looking for a way to connect something tangible that we could do. And so we ran around the airfield and there was something there. So we met again. And then the next week we ran around the airfield again, but this time we spoke the names, of the guys who had been killed downrange and we were able to give them voice and life. And so when we went on that run, we were able to carry their examples and their stories with us. And then we kept meeting and we realized that there was obviously power in running, right? That it is endorphin providing. And we, we were, were co-regulating. When you the steps of a run, you start to come and build this commonplace of, of healing in the yeah. steps of a run. We're releasing endorphins. We're saying the names of these guys. We're doing something in a world that tried to dictate how we were supposed to feel and what was happening to us. And so then we began to train for that rock and roll Seattle marathon, which was a race coming around the corner. And in doing so, we were able to stretch the boundaries a little bit of what we think is possible. And so you were given this tragedy, something really hard. Um, and then we said, wait a minute, I'm stronger than this hard. And I'm going to set a goal and I'm going to demonstrate that with my physical action. And we set and achieved this goal. And so as we're preparing for the race, we decided to put American flags on the course in honor of each of those service members who had been killed downrange. And so we were fifth striker brigade. So we went to mile five of the course and the cross street right there was Frontenac, which was the name of the forward operating base where our guys and gals were deployed for that year. And so all this kismet came together. And so we ran the race. We said the names of our, our soldiers who weren't coming home. And mile five of the course, we had our community holding American flags in honor of each of these, these soldiers. And we achieved something. And we were able to heal, to grow stronger, and to remember in a really purposeful way. And a few weeks later, those guys and gals started coming home from that deployment. And we realized they needed all the same things that we did. They needed the space to heal, to grieve, um, to remember, to reintegrate with their families. We had had these really intense experiences, you know, overseas, you know, in a war zone and here on home soil, raising our families on our own, receiving this heartbreaking news every week. But honestly, we didn't have words that were big enough, right? How do you say, I'm sorry? How do you say, thank you? But we realized that with running, you don't have to have the right words. And our presence showing up for one another was enough to capture all of this massive emotion that we were feeling and navigating. And that is where Wear Blue Run to Remember was born. Wow. I mean, that, first thing that shows up for me is, you know, the, the, the power of community. Um, you know, in the midst of, of crisis, I mean, community is always, in, in, you know, important and, and a vital part of life, but especially when life shows up um, in 
another thing that stood out was that you guys, again, made a choice to do something with this and be able to say, you know, there's a lot of different outcomes that we could have had as far as our response is concerned, but we choose to lean in to, to everyone. I mean, what a blessing it was that you guys had each other in, you know, in the midst of, of, of all of that, that was my first question was like, Holy cow, other than, you know, family, you know, who, who shows up in the time of like, how do, who walks, who, who gets to walk through that with you uh, is, is, and that's just a, just a beautiful sentiment to how you guys all really showed up for each other. Now, now fast forward 12 years, what's the community like now? Are you guys all still as close as you were prior to, or? Well, you know, military is family, but the idea is uh, that resonates with me still is that we all still need community, right? And nothing's changed in you know, 12 years in terms of, yes, as a military community, we still ask so much of so few. We absolutely still need one another to show up. Um, but, you know, globally, it's been a challenging few years. I think we can all benefit from the space where we stand shoulder to shoulder and say, show each other we're still in this together and so now 12 and a half years after our inception where blue's thriving we have about 50 communities around the world from iwakuni japan to san antonio texas to key largo florida um still here to joint base lewis mccord washington and it is a community gathering and so there's this fellowship we start each of these gatherings every week and we still speak the names of the guys and gals who passed away on that weekend since september 11th and it's this mix of service members veterans their families families of the fallen like mine and and the parmars and then community supporters. We have less than 1% of our country who's serving on behalf of, you know, the 99%. And it's an incredible gift. And we are a grateful nation. People are looking for a way to say thank you for your service. And where blue is that space to turn those words into tangible, meaningful action. So each week at these community runs, which really are representative of of all of us, we circle, we speak the, the names of our fallen, and then we move, we run, we walk, we have this really sweet couple from the retirement community who rolls on through and um, we let their stories drive our steps. And then it becomes foundational in how we live our lives. And I think I can safely say for families that have fallen, your fear is that your loved one will be forgotten. Your, your best friend, your inspiration, your cheerleader, the person who loved you the most will just disappear. But as long as we can speak their names and let their stories become an example for how we live our lives, we can turn that remembrance into action. They continue to live in how we live. And I think it is one of the most powerful gifts that we can give a fallen service member. We can give their family. And to be honest, we can give ourselves to live just a little bit bolder, kinder, more intentionally. Uh, What a wonderful place we can live in the inspiration uh, of that heroism. I love this. Have you been doing any speaking opportunities over the past 12 and a half years to tell this story? You know, I've been fortunate enough to share our stories with some of our partners, but, um, you need to be I'm, rocking stages and stadiums with this <laughs> message. Like you got, you got a gift. 
you most definitely, I mean, I'm inspired and I'm, I'm here to lead the conversation and I'm, you know, I'm like, I might as well just let you take over. This is fantastic. I'm learning so much, um, uh, about what's possible, um, in the midst of what seems to be, you know, the, the end of the world. Um, but also some incredible coping mechanisms when, when you leverage community and decide to take action for what you do. And I'm so incredibly encouraged. I, again, this is a, this is a startup podcast. We're talking about the world of startup usually. And, uh, you know, the hacks, the ins and out, there isn't a lot of life thrown into the mix of startup other than you know, having a startup sucks um, unless, you know, you get funding and you exit. Those are, you know, usually the best times. But so this was, this was good. This is a good uh, break in the normal, um, you know, format that we normally just all business world. This is, this is life. Um, and to learn so much, here, I'm so encouraged by your story. So um, what do you guys got on, 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 um, on the chalkboard for the rest of 2022? What are you guys excited about? You know, we have just closed our Gold Star Youth Mentorship Program. So there's about 12,000 children in our country who have lost a parent in military service. And at five of our locations across the country, we pair children of fallen military with currently serving members of our armed forces in a run-focused mentorship. And in this mentorship, they take 10 weeks together and they train to run a 5K on Memorial Day. They learn about a life of service. And they develop healthy coping mechanisms, all while belonging, you know, to this community. And so we are wrapping up our youth mentorship program, and we are now moving into a few cohorts of our Gold Star Race program. And so we train families of the fallen to run their first marathons in honor of their loved ones. And so we take families who are, you know, just like me, trying to navigate the greatest loss of their lives and literally and figuratively are finding foot, foot, footsteps forward. And so we have this amazing coach, Tara Strasberg, who works with our athletes, gets them a training plan that meets them where they're at and really gives them the scaffolding that they need to successfully train for and execute 26.2 miles in honor of their loved ones. So on October 30th, we have 10 families of the fallen um, flying into our nation's capital, and they will start at the Pentagon, tow that starting line, tackle 26.2 miles, and then cross the finish line where a young Marine will place a medal around their neck um, as they complete what will be for them their first and greatest physical challenge um, in honor of their loved ones. And then back to that idea in that they're learning to stand on their own, but not be alone. Nobody can run 26.2 miles. You know, nobody can do the work for any of us. But when we have the right community around us, we can achieve that. We're on our own, but we're not alone. I love it. I absolutely. The only time I run is if a bear is chasing me. Uh, and there's not a lot of bears in Florida, but I do have grand plans of running a marathon one day. But I, I all jokes aside, I do love the fact that not only you're supporting, you know, new families that are new to um fallen soldiers and losing loved ones. Um, but you're also saying, Hey, here's what's worked for us. Here's what we've been able to do. And here's what's possible for you. And we're going to support you, uh, to get you to the finish line, pun intended. Right. So that's just yet another, uh, another beautiful aspect of what you guys are doing here. And, uh, again, incredibly encouraged by our conversation, uh, today, Lisa, any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah. A lot of people asked when we started Wear Blue in those first few years, well, what are you going to do when the war is over? What's the value of Wear Blue after that? And I think now as a nation, now is the time that our work is to be done, right? We have to unpack the last two decades of war. And 
you know, for all of our families the following, we lost 7,051 service members in the global war on terror. And on August 26, 2021, we lost 13 more service members, leaving behind seven children, several of whom will never get to meet their parents. And so we're Blue Run to remember we're standing at this moment where we can bring our community together, right? Not, not just our service members, not just our veterans, but our community supporters in this space where we make sure that these men and women will always be remembered, that their families will always be cared for, and that we as a community of service members, you really have the support of our, our, our nation as we continue to stand up and respond to the global challenges that we face. You know, we have four times the amount of troops deployed to Europe than we did one year ago. And so those families are, again, facing deployments, missed birthdays, missed graduations. And we have less than 1% of our country carrying that. And so I am hopeful and grateful to have community come alongside Wear Blue and join us in our commitment to honor the service and sacrifice of the American military through active remembrance. It's community movement, and remembrance. I love it. Well, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I need to understand more about what's going on with Wear Blue, you can check them out at WearBlueRunToRemember.org. That's WearBlueRunToRemember.org. That link will be in the description of this podcast episode. So feel free to uh, click on it versus trying to find a pen right now. Who's got a pen in 2022, right? Uh, well, Lisa, thanks so much for your time. Uh, thanks for encouraging our audience through your story. Thank you so much for doing uh, work that matters and really leveraging your story to take action and and make this place called uh, life just that much better for um, the new people that you get to experience and bring into the family of you guys got going on there at, at Wear Blue. So keep us posted at the Great Daily Startup Show here on how things are going. We'll have to have you guys back on the show sometime and get an update, but uh, continue doing uh, the incredible work you guys are doing. And again, I enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, best way to start the day. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com.